0: Sci-Fi Melody, Episode Ten. Netflix One, Hollywood None.
1: Rage Master here, and today I'm enraged at Hollywood. Hollywood! We've said it before and it's been proven today that streaming sites are where some of the best new entertainment is going to come from. Recently, we had the chance to review a Netflix original film called Spectral. While not the best sci-fi film I've ever seen, it was far better than most films Hollywood has put out recently. In the quest for mass profits, the major film companies have lost what it takes to make a decent sci-fi flick. Today, Scott is joining me, and we're going to discuss the film Spectral and what major companies can learn from sites like Netflix and about how to make decent sci-fi. What's up, Scott? What's going on? Did you get British there
0: in the first line?
1: Uh, I did I? Rage I don't Master know. I kind of
0: had a British accent going on to it I, for a minute.
1: I'll I, I guess. I don't know. I do better Scott and I do anything else, sort of.
0: All right, so we got we got Spectral, which um a pretty good hack and slash kind of sci fi flick. Yeah, it's I entertaining. Guess. It's it's action packed. The tempo continues to build as you go through. It's got some drama. Mm-hmm. And there there's an original aspect to it. It's not yeah. it's not completely original, but it's the the use of the Einstein Bose condensate. Right. Is a is a nice pull of a hard sci fi aspect to um that, that you just haven't seen done before no you're, you're working some real science in and it's something unique and it it pushes some boundaries it's not the same regurgitated crap that you'll get out of Hollywood over and over again with zombies or aliens or um zombie Nazis
1: right honestly this movie seemed like a real upgrade like a sci-fi original film better it's like they made a sci-fi original film and then up the Annie up the production value, up the writing and just did a much better job I felt.
0: It did have that feel to it and that's to be expected because the budget on a Netflix original movie is not going to be what the budget is on a on a major Hollywood studio blockbuster. Right. Um I felt I felt I was kind of watching something from the from the late 90s early 2000s that wasn't over CGI'd. Sure. And had a lot of real effects to it. But then, obviously, you had you had CGI in there for the for the spectral uh hostiles. Yeah. And you had CGI for some of those cityscapes there at the end that just would have been too expensive to make, even with a major Hollywood studio. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, uh, we talked about this before, a tasteful use of CGI. You used it when yeah. you needed it. You That's right. You didn't overuse it, and it, it enhanced
1: the movie. That's right. I would say this is, I really go with you on the 90s thing. This is like something that potentially could have been in theaters had this been the 90s with maybe a little bit better production value just because there would have been more money involved. That's all. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, I think this is everything that is. And uh, I think what attracted me to the film was it showed up in my Netflix recommended site. And the the picture is of a cool-looking, either your first impression is, well, that's a robot or a cool-looking soldier. So let's see what's up. And the description is... When an otherworldly force wreaks havoc on a war-torn European city, an engineer teams up with an elite special ops unit to stop it. An otherworldly force makes me think of aliens, and, spoiler, it's not.
0: There are absolutely no aliens in this movie.
1: But nonetheless, that doesn't kill it. You have an expectation, which is fine, but it's not such that you walk away thinking, Oh Aw, man, that just ruined the whole film.
0: And it's not wrong because the the spectral hostiles are otherworldly right. in the fact that they're they're not natural to this world. Einstein no. Bose condensate is not a natural state of uh matter. It's a man made state of matter. So it is otherworldly in an effect that it's it's not natural to this world. That's so it's right. It's not wrong. And you spend most of the movie believing that they're ghosts.
1: That's right. Well, I didn't think about ghosts. I I thought they were some kind of alien invasion force until you started getting towards the end. But that's okay, having that kind of, what is it? What is it? What is it? Keeping the audience guessing like that is always a good thing to do.
0: I like the fact that, as we talked about in the episode about San Junipero and Black Mirror, that there was a very slow build. Yeah. We didn't have uh, the the ADD generation rush to tell you everything that this is. In fact, you don't know what these things are...
1: Until the very end.
0: Until the last 20 minutes of the movie. That's right. And um, even even maybe the last 10 minutes of the movie. So uh, one of the things we've often complained about is the rush to to give you all the answers instead of making you pull it out of the movie and, and share the character's experience. And
1: show all the best stuff towards the beginning or middle, middle too. I remember... You look at the cover, you see the cool-looking soldier, and then you realize they're not showing that. So throughout the film, you're getting the, you're wondering again, you're engaging with questions, saying, "When is this going to happen? Where's that? Where's that?" And then at the end, when it shows up, you realize, "Oh, so all these cool things that questions I have, the, the appearance, that everything I was expecting to see, I got well done." J.J. Uh, Abrams, I hope you're listening at some point. This is how you make a film. You introduce the mystery, you develop how they find the solution, and then they find the solution. The mystery box is only going to work for you a little while longer till everyone realizes they're just doing your job for you. Why should I pay you? Bad director. No, bad robot. Bad writer.
0: No, bad robot.
1: Bad Abrams.
0: Bad robot. So one of the things in the, in, you you said you know what were your thoughts when you were reading the, the synopsis that, yeah that I uh, and one of the things that is intriguing about it is um the military can't stop it and it's mm-hmm. telling you that your conventional means of stopping this enemy are not going to work and then it even tells you so let's try an alternate mean so. That was intriguing, and on, and I like the fact that it was telling you. Uh, well, what I thought was that you weren't just going to be able to murder, kill these things out of existence. Um, it, I would have liked the movie a little better if you didn't uh, just find a way to make a bigger, better gun to murder, kill them out of existence. Yeah, but, but
1: there was like a science-y explanation as to why it wasn't just bigger bullet. Duh. But I, I do like the fact that there is a point in this movie where the where the
0: military um, just sits there and says. Your bullets can't stop them. Like, there's that scene where uh, the general who, uh, I'm going to call him General Pike because he's Captain <laughs> Pike from the Star Trek reboot. Uh, general Pike basically says that, um, you know, they're saying, should we fortify the door, General? And he goes, "Someone, one of the soldiers is like, why? They're going to get through it anyway. And they're trying to talk about what's the plan. General goes, no plan. And he says, we need to take our chances on those helicopters. They have 20 minutes of flight time. Your bullets can't stop them. You can't prevent them from getting in here. You can't do anything. Okay, well the general just says yeah. we're going to go die
1: <laughs> PTSD <and> much there.
0: <laughs> the the military is absolutely at the complete end of their rope and yeah. they have they have no idea what to do here and it's the scientist guy from DARPA who says we're going to deconstruct everything you guys know and build a new method to fight these things.
1: Yeah. I mean that you know and you know too that's a reused trope. However, the slight difference that I really enjoyed with that was the fact that Usually in those movies, the big production ones, there's this kind of hostility towards the soldiers and the engineer. And you see that in this film initially. But after they realize you know the uh the soldiers are mad at him we'll we'll get to this in we discuss This guy personally designed that strap every... that's protecting yeah. your balls. Yeah, the <laughs> they're they're yelling at him because he's modifying an an ATV yeah, armored person, AP, whatever, armored carrier, Ar- Arnold, Ar- Arnold,
0: <laughs> armored troop transport. Get to the ATV So get to the chopper.
1: So, uh, instead of and of course they were angry at that. But then when the one sergeant shows up and says, "Hey, every bit of equipment this guy designed, so you should be thanking him and trust him that he knows what he's doing," and then they kind of back up, and plus the general comes and says, "This is what you're doing," they kind of back off a bit. And that's nice, because in any other big production movie, it'd be hostility the whole way through until the very end, when, oh, we're all friends now, we need each other. And then, of course, when at the end, when the engineer picks up and says, hey, here's what's going on, here's what we need to make, the soldiers aren't going, man, that's stupid, fake fight, fight, unnecessary argument. No, they're like, well, we have nothing better to do, so um, let's try this. If it doesn't work, it's... We can't blame him for not succeeding when nothing we were doing was working.
0: Yeah, every single weapon we have was useless. And I think that was um it 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 was it was different to see the ultra powerful United States military unable to initially with all of their technology cope with an enemy um that, that ultimately is created by the insurgency that they're fighting. Like, the insurgency yeah. had the superior weapon.
1: Yeah, you know, that's an interesting take. I didn't think about that. That uh, The basic is, the, the overall, we'll get through this in a minute when we describe kind of the play-by-play, but they are in Moldova, and the there's a civil war going on between some insurgents, which, interesting note, unless my geography is outdated... There is a rebel group in northern Moldova, so not sure if that played into it or not, but hey. And you had a dictatorial regime being ousted by some former uh, special forces guys, or rather they were defending him, I think, and then you had the general population. So war-torn Moldova, the capital, and the previous dictator was spending vast amounts of money on weapons research And was saying to any weapons researcher in the world, come on, come on, come all, you'll get a lot of money and I will let you do whatever you want. You want to kill people? Kill people. You want to violate international treaties? Violate them. Whatever you got to do, build me a better weapon. And it shows. When did
0: you intercept Donald Trump's memo out to the talent um, to hire for the defense agency?
1: (laughs) Yeah, except this dictator was better at the art of the deal. So, because it worked. So he gets all these people and it was great. It, it he got this uh like you said weapons that were far superior superior to anything we had. In fact, I remember the one scene where I believe it was a it was the CIA agent towards the beginning when they said, "Well, we think this is some kind of cloaking technology these uh the bad guys that they're using cloaking technology." And the DARPA engineer said, "We've been doing that for years, and we're nowhere close. So how would anybody else be?" And her answer was, "Who says you're the only ones working on it? And who says you're just because you're behind doesn't mean anyone else isn't."
0: DARPA's a leader in the field.
1: Yeah, he's like, and, and she's like, "So th- someone else could not, be."
0: This is not a a message heavy movie, but right there is a little subtle message kind of buried in there that says. We as Americans are always so confident yeah. that if our military can't do it, no military can, and that in every engagement our military goes into, that they're going to be operating with the best equipment and have that equipment and technology advantage. And as of today, they do, yeah. unless there's things that we're not aware of yet. But uh, th- this was just a nice thing. What if the insurgents get the super weapon? What if the yeah. insurgents get the weapon that, that nothing you have on the drawing
1: board can stop? Um, or now, that no it, one's ever seen, for that matter.
0: It doesn't end that way. Our our DARPA scientists quickly uh, trump their super weapon with uh, mm. with plasmic discharge weapons reassembled out of the existing weapons. Yeah, they MacGyver it. They MacGyvered <laughs> it for sure. Uh, just needed some chewing gum and the wrapper to yeah. make it, and a paperclip
1: to make it a full <laughs> MacGyver. And some kids' glasses.
0: But um, but it, it, it was an interesting concept there for a minute, where the insurgents were just um. It wasn't the insurgents defeating the United States Army, but it was the insurgents' ultimate weapon that that got loose, the doomsday weapon, and uh, and had them on the run.
1: That's right. And also, what was so neat is that it's not like the U.S. forces were impotent. They were. They did have what we know, at least in the film, to be up-to-date weaponry. It's just someone else had better.
0: And the film, you know, the, the film does look like it's got to be at least 2040, 2050. They
1: never come out and tell you what year it is. That's another cool thing about this film.
0: And and they stay away from showing you things that would actually date the film to a current time. So 20 years from now, it could still assume to be 30 years in the future. It doesn't mm. look so far in the future that... that you have to assume it's like 2 300 years in the future uh you don't have like like spaceships and 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 the technology t- you know everything doesn't look like it's completely advanced to where it's a, a a generation two or three beyond but they also have things that we don't have yet the mm-hmm, those yeah. heads up display goggles those right. hyperspectral goggles and uh and the first thing they do is they create a high-powered laser that just incinerates an ice cube in half a second.
1: Right. And the, and the way the laser looks, right. uh, the way they build it in that lab is like, yeah, that's that's how lasers look in a lab.
0: And then at the end of the movie, I mean, he, as we said, he MacGyvers plasma weapons.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it, as
0: far as I know, we don't have plasma weapons on the table yet.
1: No. not Certainly not able to MacGyver them. Yeah. And even if we do, it's probably in a giant, the energy output would require essentially a tank to Some drive of the ar- battle armor. a tank sized battery to drive around with it
0: and they're still using tanks that look very much like the tanks we use today yeah that's true their their standard guns look pretty close to the guns we use but uh it definitely appears to me to be 30 40 years in the future um, yeah
1: that's the funny thing when you read the description and you look at the the picture above the description okay so it's in a european city they don't tell you which one they don't even say West or East. So that's where I got the idea that it's in the future and an alien invasion because why are you in a European city? They're not at war. There's no civil wars going on. There's no major conflicts. What's what's going on? If this were a war-torn area, well, then clearly it's not an alien invasion. But this, it, that's where I got the idea that it was an alien invasion Uh, far in the future, I thought, but you're right. As you continue, you kind of get the feeling that, well, I guess it could be modern day because in the beginning they reference the engineer takes some Tetrazine or whatever. And he goes to a junkyard, pulls out of an old printer cartridge and says, well, back in the nineties, they, it was easy to get this stuff. They used it all the time. So you're like, okay, that could be today. But as you said, Scott, it could equally be 2040. They don't let on, and ultimately, it's unessential because it's enough familiarity to be possibly today, but it's enough future technology to be at least several decades in the future. So, that's a nice, that's a definitely a nice touch that they do that because you got to remember all those old movies where they say 1999 and then or 2015, like Back to the Future 2, and here we are going. So, um, When's that jacket come out that adjusts to my size? Still waiting on that. And
0: the hoverboards we yeah. have are no, no, it's not a pit bull.
1: Yeah. I want a pit bull. Yeah. Not that
0: hoverboard thing. On it's not even a hoverboard, a hoverboard,
1: man. People that call that a hoverboard are deluding themselves.
0: It's a horizontal scooter. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's, it's a scooter differently.
1: When someone said hoverboards are out and I was like, really? They got a prototype and they showed me what it was. I went. Wait wait no I was waiting for a hoverboard not a thing with wheels. Something Hover means float above the ground. Yeah. No one says hey no one says that helicopters hovering above the ground and says when you put pylons under it to support it.
0: Yeah. Uh get me a board that either is using a magnetic technology a magnet so strong that it's repelling the natural magnetic field of the earth or with built-in uh turbines that have it hovering off the ground. One or the other.
1: Yeah. I guess the final thing before we jump into describing the film and what aspects should be adopted or reused again by Hollywood going back, I would say the hard sci-fi, soft sci-fi. Just as a real quick uh, brief mention, hard sci-fi is typically using existing technology and science To, Or rather, matching the technology and the science to what we know is true. Uh, So, yeah, you take a little bit of liberties. The classic example is light speed. That's always going to be a sci-fi element. But if you look at the film Interstellar, that's 90% accurate to our knowledge. How wormholes exist, how gravity functions. To our knowledge, unless we really missed a big detail or we haven't discovered it yet... That's how it works. The spaceship worked the right way. The wormhole worked everything until Matthew McConaughey jumps into the black hole, which, by the way, I found out by listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson, is somewhat possible in very specific... we have specific no sen- idea what yeah. goes
0: on when we cross the event horizon of a black hole, well, I... I think it's all hypothetical. We
1: know the spaghetti effect happens where you just get stretched and broken. But I guess the possibility to go in is there if you have what they call the tesseract, the washing machine-sized thing he was hiding in. And after that, of course, it was all uh, fantasy. But that's okay because that's the sci-fi part of sci-fi. Everything leading up to it was great. And that would be hard sci-fi, shaping the story to fit the science. Soft sci-fi is the other way around. I wouldn't even call Star Wars soft sci-fi. Star Wars is fantasy myth set in space. George Lucas has said that himself. I would call Star Trek soft sci-fi. Where you are taking, you're using a combination of technobabble, handwavium, and if you're not sure, handwavium is... Don't look at the curtain. Don't question why this was... Don't question why the teleporter works. It just does. And the teleporter... Don't question
0: what part of the brain is making the mouth talk when they're speaking in the transporter. Yeah. When it's disassembled (laughs) into component molecules.
1: And then, of course, the teleporter is also a great example of, I believe you pronounce it, ubitronium. It's the concept of, in so much as that we know this would work, this is how it works which is a nice way to say we're not sure, but uh, we think it works this way, so therefore it works this way. So, Star Trek fulfills s- soft sci-fi. This movie starts more hard science and ends more soft.
0: Absolutely, the laser, the laser is... Um, it's is, how you
1: would look in yeah. a lab. That's what it looks like. It It's a giant thing with a giant battery and is immobile, and it's just funny. He melts an ice cube with it and talks about how he could use it to melt all forms of materials and then the government guy goes what about a living target will it kill them well if it kills a if it breaks apart a piece of steel I'm gonna guess the human flesh won't last very long against it eh hey senator
0: now I'm gonna guess so no it only works on dead things if it has a yeah. living tissue around it uh, it's ineffective <laughs> yeah thanks somehow don't thanks. know why but hand waving them
1: that that would be hand-wavium. So exactly.
0: you're not going to buy this because it's not worth anything as a weapon of war.
1: Yeah. Um. <laughs> What's that? We can melt through tanks? That's pretty cool. But what about the guy piloting the tank? If I, I can't mean,
0: make a gun out of it to kill other foot soldiers. Yeah.
1: I know you could just shoot through. After you melt the armor off, you could just shoot the driver. But we don't want to do that. We want to do the driver instead. No, because you know the beam that's
0: hot enough to melt a tank surely won't kill a human. Yeah. Uh, At any rate,
1: so they do that. The
0: Bose-Einstein con- condensate oh is, yeah, go, go is y- fantastic. You know, uh, you check that out. Why don't you go more about that? Um, uh, Bose-Einstein condensate is actually a real thing. It's a state of matter where a gas, a diluted gas of bosons, which I'm not even going to pretend to understand. It's a, it's a quantum particle, is cooled down to temperatures near absolute zero, which is 469 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. Um, under such condition, a large fraction of bosons occupy the lowest quantum state. And this becomes a lot of techno babble. Yeah, but essentially say, English
1: it down for us, please.
0: Essentially these things are real. You take matter and you cool it down to near zero and it now it now exists in an unnatural state of matter, uh to, to a point where it can actually slow the speed of light to seventeen meters a second as light tries to pass through it. Um it's a real thing. Uh, whether or not it can be 3D printed into humanoid shapes and Wi-Fi controlled by a brain, I don't know. And that's where you get into soft the science. soft science part. Uh, whether or not you could create a plasma weapon hot enough to melt it. Well, if it needs to be cooled to negative 469 degrees Fahrenheit, then yes, any type of heat ray should be able to uh, cause the condensate to lose cohesion and melt or, or revert back to a natural state of matter. um. But it's a, it's, a, it's a good element here to this story. And um, I'm going to stop the discussion of Bose-Einstein condensate because the rest of it, you have to have a master's degree in physics or at least a, a bachelor's degree in physics to understand, and I don't. So just we'll leave it at this. You take a certain gas and you cool it down to near zero, and you will get condensate. They've had it. They discovered it in labs in 1995. They've actually created it. It's not hypothetical. It's a real thing. They can do it. Um, so, theoretically, if you had enough power and you had enough uh, bosons, you could create um, enough condensate to do this. Now, whether or not, as I said, you could 3D print it and remote brain control it. Um, That's where we get sci-fi. Yeah, you know, yeah. Star Trek showed me that with uh, Spock's brain, you know, yeah. when they when they remote controlled Ah, Star Trek again. OK, take a <laughs> shot. I did it again. well
1: Well, i I already did it
0: with captain pike too so
1: well and i did it with a teleporter i have a feeling we're always going to refer back to those two bases for some reason star wars and star trek
0: one of these weeks guys one of these weeks yeah uh, uh
1: just you know if you wanted to have a very soft weak drinking game have a drinking game where you drink every time we don't mention star wars or star trek you will be sober for the rest of your life probably
0: uh, so that's the hard sci-fi part of this, I really think. Uh some of the some of the armor looked like it could be yeah. hard sci fi. Yeah. The soft sci fi, I think uh the, the spectrographic goggles. I don't think those oh, clearly. are really yeah, but soft sci fi.
1: Yeah, but you know what though? Stuff like that, the way they were working it's that's believable. foreseeable. It's
0: believable soft sci-fi. Exactly.
1: It's something I could see coming down the pipeline.
0: The plasma discharge gun, that's well, soft sci-fi, but it's believable-ish.
1: Yeah. Well, especially the giant one that required a bunch of batteries and only fired once. It was like, yeah, that, okay. And Look when he did big fire, the my
0: gun is. Not compensating for nothing. Just giant <laughs> laser gun. Well,
1: it required a tripod when he fired it. Now, I don't know how a laser would have- well, okay, it wasn't the recoil that pushed him back. It was the fact that he had so much juice running through it that it somehow blew up. Don't that's probably a case of hand wavium ubitromium,
0: but it was at least pretty cool good. Yeah. yeah. Something cool needs to happen and it worked because when that scene happened, the first thing you said was, Well, that's cool.
1: Yeah, it, it oh, yeah. worked. Yeah. It worked. And not only that, it's one of those well, the really big the BFG nine thousand only can be fired once. Which makes that weapon even cooler. Hey, we all played Doom here, right? <laughs> but what's really neat is that that was one of the problems. Now is that they'll introduce the mega weapon and overuse it. Well, it didn't happen here. It was okay. We got one shot and that's it. They used it. Well, it helped, but uh, let's not let's not use that again. Let's hope we don't have to use that again. Rather, uh, I also think. Well, of course the guns were realistic, but I like how they used later on the dirty bombs to stop these things, because obviously uh, that's something a a Delta Force or any specialist soldier could make. Just grab, put some C4 explosives inside a a canister or jar with uh, the iron shavings they put in there. Boom, done. I like the fact easy to do.
0: Uh, you know, we're talking hard sci-fi, soft sci-fi a little bit. I like the fact that throughout the movie, um, Klein is kind of following a scientific method. He's observing. He's looking for confirmation. He's mm-hmm. looking for facts. And, you know, the first thing he seems to take note of is that guy survived in a ceramic bathtub. Yeah,
1: the exactly. The next thing he
0: takes notice is the iron and the iron filings. And he's, yeah. he's kind of putting two and two together here, and it's putting him onto something. And then right before he gets on the helicopter— he notices that the wind is slowing them down. Yeah. They can pass through stuff, but the wind is slowing them down so they can be affected by the natural universe. He just knows. And, you know, he's putting it together, and then he he smashes that belt with the glass, and he mm-hmm. sees that it impacts them. The wind yeah. is pushing it through them. So he kind of puts it all together, and then later he has his breakthrough as to what it is. It's not a it's not a miracle breakthrough where someone figures it out because someone has to figure it out. And they they, you know, tech the tech and they figure it all out. He's putting it together the whole time. And you can see each time, especially on a rewatch, where he's getting each of his pieces of information to get to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's that that was a good aspect of the of the hard sci fi uh, part of this.
1: All right, well, we talked about the overall things we liked about it, so let's get into some of the nitty-gritty from the beginning to end. What were some of the things we really liked? And I'll I'll get the ball rolling here. From the get-go, one of the things that I have learned over the years is that all writing is inherently political. It's just how much so. Some is over the top, and some is a little muted. This film, it's muted, but I like the messages. From the beginning... This engineer, uh, we're going to call him Anthony Wiener, because that's what he looks like.
0: Anthony Wiener Klein.
1: He is, it's Klein? Is that, is that his name? His name's Klein. Oh, Klein. We'll stick with that then, since that's what it is. Um, but he is in the lab doing this research for this laser, and the laser he's researching is meant to burn through material. And, of course, he works for DARPA, the big defense indes- defense researcher for the Department of Uh, defense, the DOD. And naturally, he's playing the part of the naive scientist that really truly believes that what he's making is for defense, not offense. And of course, his superiors are thinking, yeah, you're cute and naive. That's no, 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 that's not the way it works. And that kind of message is in there from the beginning. And then the other, the next war is good for business. They come right out and say, war is good. War is good business. Absolutely. Then you go a step further where he's, we've mentioned this before, where he's speaking in a briefing, looking at the first clips of these uh, spectral bad guys that they're up against at the very beginning. They don't know what they're up against. So what he does is he looks at the video and as a, as a, someone who works in science He hears, okay, well, the locals think it's a ghost, and we think it's a cloaking technology. What do you think? And his first answer is, you want an answer right now? Are you kidding me? I have to look at all the variables. I have to do the research, which shows that dichotomy of, you know, well, I'm a politician. I want answers now. Now, 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 now. I got to give the public something. And a scientist is saying, gee, I'd love to, but um, you got to give me some time here.
0: I need data. They yeah, exactly. I said, uh, "Give me the data," and they're like, "No, that can't happen." Yeah,
1: I exactly. Or I don't have the data. I can't tell you. I can't make my assessment because all I have is this video to go by. So
0: this movie was definitely written from someone with a perspective trying to show you the value, the value of science and absolutely. the struggle that science has dealing with the government and the military. That's definitely that's there. in
1: there, especially too at the end. Oh, and we mentioned the uh, well, DARPA is the leader in the field. And the CIA agent says, well, how do you know that? So what? There could always be so. We know there's Asian countries working on this. They could have cracked it. So there's that. We mentioned that. And then at the end, to give a quick spoiler explanation of what this is, these spectrals are essentially humans, alleged probably political prisoners, who have been apprehended and their brains and nervous systems have been put into some kind of gel stasis and then they've been 3D printed using this, uh, what's it called again?
0: They they did x-ray scans, x-ray scans. And then they 3D printed their body and their likeness onto the uh, Bose-Einstein condensate.
1: Right, and that became essentially the ghost, I guess you would say, that can go through objects and kill people with one hit because of course they're at absolute zero their body temperature, so merely touching someone will kill them. And at the end, they get to the research facility. They find out what everything really is. And this scientist, of course, is thinking, "Oh my gosh, we can't. I can't possibly let these people live. Look at them; they're suffering." And for a brief moment, the—I I guess she's a CIA agent or an intelligence officer—that's with her said, "No, we have. We can't do this. We might want to research." And his view is, it's not stated, but it's clearly, "Do you really trust? Are a Are we going to let these people suffer?" And B, do you really trust anybody to use this right?
0: I like that I absolutely like that in a movie that knows what it is, which is an entertaining hack and slash movie, and I'm not saying that to to dog the movie at all. There's some really good hack and slash movies. But they still found a way to to mix in a statement about the human condition and what it means to be human, even if it's muted, even if it's not the driving part of this movie. At the beginning of the movie, he's referencing uh, the Einstein quotes and uh, that the the don't know what weapon the the third world world war will be fought with, but the fourth world war will be fought with sticks and stones. Um, Then you come back at the end, and this is clearly a super weapon, a doomsday weapon that got out of control, and it's it's sending you this quiet message of be wary of developing super weapons because your ability to control them is is finite. And eventually mm-hmm. either someone else will get it and use it against you, or you will lose control of your own super weapon, which is exactly what happened here. And on a larger on a larger message, it's saying that our obsession with war and creating the ultimate weapon will ultimately be what destroys humanity.
1: Right. And that what's nice is it's obvious. It's an obvious but, message. But they don't club you over the head with it. They expect you to have enough intelligence to See it without being told. Them almost breaking the fourth wall to say, "Hey kids, just in case you don't know what we're getting at," as in Suicide Squad, where the Kool
0: Aid Man just comes through the wall, going,
1: "Oh yeah." Yeah. Whereas movies like Suicide Squad, they beat you to death with their meanings because, well, they must think you're really stupid. Even Batman begins to a lesser to uh, an extent must think the audience is stupid. Where Rajal Ghul's ultimate plan is to release the fear toxin in the water supply by having the the weapon that turns water into gas, and that's going to go to Wayne Tower, where, where all the water mains are, and all of Gotham will be consumed in a fear-induced rage and kill each other. Well, you don't know that, so we make sure the pump technician tells you. Even though by that point in the film, you should pretty much figure it out. Well, Not as bad as Suicide Squad, granted, but Hollywood. You don't need, if you really have respect for the people, stop blunting, hitting us on the head with your bad, over the top messages and treat us with a little more respect. Don't usher in idiocracy. Make fun of idiocracy.
0: Well, Hollywood may uh, bash you over the head with these messages because
1: people are stupid.
0: There was a survey done uh, a decade or so back in England about Sherlock Holmes and Winston Churchill. Mm hmm. About 44% of people, 40% of people thought Sherlock Holmes was a real person. In England? In England. About 40 to 44% of the people in England thought Winston Churchill was a fictional person. How do you do that? Winston Churchill, what? This is, this is where we're at.
1: Heaven's gate.
0: This is where we're at. So maybe that's why in some of these movies they have to hammer the message Ma- home. Because well, people aren't able to actually
1: pick this up. You know what? You know, it's, forget it. I'm standing on certain degrees of virtue. Don't usher it. End it. Moving on. <laughs> So I liked that. I also
0: liked the fact that you had one man's choice to be ethical and shut it down and not continue the research and take that avenue of the research away. And he said, I am. He said, I'm thinking of the bigger picture because what he knew is. Whatever he chose to do, the military was going to come in and research that lab. And the very last thing you hear is the CIA lady saying they're going to go try to reverse engineer it. They're in that's there, right. and he had taken away the most important component.
1: Yeah, and not only that, he walked away from it as a means of saying, "Well, if you do manage to do it, my hands are, I, I my hands are washed clean of this. I will not become death, the destroyer of worlds." Right, and, I like um, that.
0: Yeah, I mean that, that was a good aspect to it, and, and uh, a, a good angle that it played. One man's choice, and maybe it is. Maybe that's how things start to stop pursuing super weapons. Is this time Albert Einstein didn't choose to use his knowledge to create a weapon of mass destruction
1: right uh another point that i really liked was the way they built up the battles there was just enough action non-action to keep you interested there wasn't there wasn't too much drag in between the action sequences the in-between scenes were not horribly irrelevant and even if they weren't that relevant they didn't distract
0: there were no over the top cheesy motivational speeches oh my
1: gosh thank you that in fact there was so- the worst
0: motivational speech ever given by general uh, not captain pike yeah uh, but um that was good and, and the pacing of this movie was was good i mean yeah. it, they they paced it well you, you have a slow build, you're getting information, you're, you're getting background, important background on who Klein is, mm-hmm. and then you're seeing the introduction of the, of the spectral hostiles, and then they're advancing it. And there's conflict, there's resolution to conflict, it takes you closer, and it, it follows the model of having a plot-driven story yeah. that is advancing through, through acts, and it, um, it's a good piece of storytelling. It's right. not a deep, meaty, weighty piece of storytelling that you can chew on for days and, and talk about some great moral conundrums. Um, it, it's some basic level stuff, but it's a good story. It's an entertaining story. And at the end of the movie, you feel like you didn't waste two hours of your life watching something that made you less intelligent for the experience.
1: <laughs> well, and I also like the next element I'd talk about <clears throat> is the progression of technology, even within the film. So we start off and. I'll be honest, when I first saw this film, I assumed the very, very beginning takes place in the U.S. Because you have the American soldier, and you read the description, you hear European city. So I'm thinking that, again, alien invasion. Is this an alien invasion, and it starts in U.S. and spreads to Europe, whatever? It doesn't pan out that way, but just to kind of, it's a nice engaging second-guessing thing. There's a lot of that going on. But getting back to the progression of technology, I digress there. It starts off, the only bit of tech that really is futuristic is those goggles.
0: <clears throat>
1: Everything else. And the laser. Well, yeah, but that's something feasible. Right. All right? Okay. That's something that's in Yeah, The in goggles labs. are the only piece of real yeah. futuristic technology. Otherwise, they're using uh, projectile. They're using chemical bu- uh, bullets. They're using firearms. They're have the standard Kevlar, everything looks modern, which is why initially you're thinking, is this 2016 or 20, excuse me, 2017? Where are we? This could easily be now. But as it progresses, then you start seeing the equipment and you realize, all right, we're a little bit ahead of our time. And then at the end is when you get the super the super high-tech stuff. You see, I remember when they revealed the, uh, well, the robot, dog elephant thing that was showing that had the uh, robot
0: s- dog elephant thing is just <sighs> making me flashback to uh no man's sky with dinosaur oh, chicken uh, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> what am i doing in this game <laughs> i don't know the point so sorry for the derailment hey i never played it but after seeing enough gameplay on youtube and listening to people talk about it I have to ask the same thing. So you get in a ship and uh, go here and um, take some pictures and uh, get back in your ship. Sounds fun. Pretty much. So anyway, uh, so you they show that mech, and they put the spectral camera that's used as a spotlight so we could see the things. That's a neat idea. In fact, that's neat also how they – we'll have to get to that, how they find the weaknesses of these things. That there are weaknesses kind of like in Predator where you can mask, Arnold could mask himself by using mud from the Predator, the Yamchi. I think that's what they're called. And in this they found that, well, we can use uh, certain kinds of cameras to find them. And if we reverse this lens with that lens, it's a spotlight that'll find them. And you can't see them without it or the goggles. So that's neat. But they also had the lasers they built, and the even the suits of armor. I don't know why they had the little gas mask things. Maybe it's because the lasers gave off some gas. I don't know, but it Maybe looked it's cool just for
0: full protection, and that's what Could the military be. has in this future.
1: Could be, but the point is, a movie today
0: it also might be just because those things are absolute zero, and you don't want any exposed flesh.
1: Ooh, that's a good point. I didn't think of that, but. Whereas a movie today, you know, it's a lot like jump scares in horror films. After about 15, 20 minutes in a horror film today, it's nothing but jump scare after jump scare after jump scare. And for each jump. And by the time you get to the end of the movie where it's supposed to be super scary, you're not scared because you're, you're geared up for it. The jump scares have come, the scary moments have come through, your psyche is already prepared, so when there is another scare, you're kind of just going, oh! And the same thing with sci-fi. When you show all the goods right away, I don't care that they have a super laser at the end because I'm used to looking at these cool... I'm I'm used to looking at Master Chief already. I don't care that he has this super weapon. Whereas here, they progress it so that by the end you look at this stuff You're actually wowed. You're saying, oh, that looks cool. That looks neat. I like that. I thought
0: from a production standpoint, I I thought it was a good use of CGI, not an overuse of CGI where they used it. It enhanced the story and it made it visually better. They didn't over rely on it to cut corners. There were some really good shots and cuts and um, for dramatic effect, the lighting was well done. I I think the the volume of the of the uh dialogue could have been up a little more in the mix as I had my TV <laughs> on volume 100 and I was looking for more volume to hear certain things. Yeah. But but overall from a production standpoint I I I don't think you're losing anything um Watching this movie, where uh, if this was released in theaters, I think it would have been fine. If it had yeah. a little more of a budget, maybe it would have been cleaned up a little bit, but that maybe a little better. Maybe it, it, it didn't need to be filmed any better than it was because it had a good yeah. story driving it. It was well acted. I thought it was well directed. I don't think there were a lot of moments in there that were useless. I don't think there was wasted time in this. No, movie. no, I don't think there were wasted scenes that we had. Um, even if certain scenes aren't as effective as you think, uh, when the when the young kid runs out to get something and he ends up getting killed by the Spectral we'll Hostiles. We'll get to that
1: in a minute.
0: I, 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 that, was, that was a scene that they were trying to make the audience, you know, tug on your heartstrings and get some emotional investment. But as you said, you're not invested in that kid. Mm. But even so, there was a point to that scene. And if it doesn't work as well as it could, it has a point. It's not useless. Every every scene in this movie meant something. It was either giving you background information that you needed, it was advancing the plot, or it was it was telling you a message or meaning, uh and it was discussing something. I, I thought overall this was a well written, well directed, well acted movie and, and well acted considering that you while you didn't have unknowns, uh you didn't have any A list top celebrity actors in there either.
1: Yeah, they were all B listers to be sure, but they did a good job. It was
0: well acted. It wasn't overacted. Uh, a- a- as a production, I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was enjoyable. I thought it avoided the Hollywood, um, the Hollywood tropes and the over sappiness. Yeah, they didn't force a
1: love story down your throat. Oh, that's great because the the engineer had that intelligence agent who could have become that, but it was it was the case of well, you're good at this and you're good at this, so you got to. We're gonna work together on this. They
0: showed the the female lead being every bit as competent and capable as her male counterparts, without overplaying it to the point where it was pandering, or to the point that it yeah. was that it was
1: forcing it down your throat. Um, kind of like Fury Road in that regard. You're good at this. You're good at this. We gotta work together. There was to match there was skills.
0: diversity in there. You had uh, different nationalities. You had different um, ethnicities in there. And and it was done in a way that, that you look at it and you say, hey, we're we're we have a diverse cast and and it's not pandering. And it was uh I, I thought it was well done on on almost every level. Um and I, I I thought the production was was well done.
1: Yeah, I think the last thing I would mention is that I like how the the spectral anomalies, as they called them, had these weaknesses that they slowly discovered over time when they discovered that iron shaving stopped them from going anywhere. Or what was the other thing? Uh, There was the iron shaving ceramic. There was a soldier that was hiding under a ceramic tub that it couldn't get through. Or a scene where uh, one of these things was smashing into a tank and oh, he dented the living life out of it, but he couldn't break it because it was covered in ceramic of some kind, I guess. I, I don't know. The DARPA guy would know. The DARPA guy saying that is was like, well, that guy would know. So that was a really neat feature, how they not only identified the weaknesses, but came up with the weapons to combat it instead of having a guy come out and just techno babble it you get that in superhero flicks and you kind of just roll with it because it's a superhero flick
0: you didn't get a solution because you had it's that time in the movie and we've got to have a solution
1: yeah it wasn't oh i just figured it out according to the gamma ray tachyon pulse of the habit if you carry the two no it was you can clearly like you said scott the clear progression he's been observing the data he's been doing this and then finally boom Puts it all together. Yeah. Now I have everything. Now I can make my assessment. It makes sense. And that's what makes sense. I guess the last thing to mention, and this is going to be the briefest part, because as you can tell, we enjoyed this. What didn't you like? And I only have one moment I did not like. And that is the scene where the kid runs out. They find these two kids in a factory where their dad had left them. And... The finding the kids, the kids' involvement at all isn't the problem. In fact, they had a translator. I'm curious to see if they were really speaking Moldovan. It was clearly Slavic, but if they were speaking Moldovan, the movie just went up 10 points in my book because to find Moldovan-speaking kids, the kids don't even have to speak English because they never do in the movie. The girl at the end says, thank you. Well, you can teach a little girl to say thank you, an actress. You don't have to do that. She probably already knows that. So, But anyway... The kid, they're hiding. They're trying to get out of there. They're waiting for a helicopter. And the little kid goes running out into a firefight. That I hated. That was tropish. But at the very least, one, it didn't last. They didn't drag it out like a Hollywood flick would. And two, like you said, Scott, you weren't really that invested. So the kid does die. And then the girl later on goes in this shelter. They go back to some shelter, and they have to operate on the girl to get some shrapnel out. And that's kind of the last you see of her. And you presumably, she's, well, no, she is fine. You see her at the end. But she steps out for the climax because she's not needed. You're not invested in her. She tells the information we need. They get her out of there. Whereas Holly would try to have her sneak onto the helicopter, and then they have to spend all this time, and then she does something. sick. No, she's done. Her place is done. The end.
0: There's nothing in this movie that I really didn't like um i i thought that the scene that we talked about there with the kids and and the whole angle of the kids is just a scene that didn't work as well as it could have Mm. it was supposed to be the emotional heart tugger it was supposed to be the thing that 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 just played on your feelings and i I don't think it worked because you never got emotionally invested in the kids as you said um
1: not only that too notice my tone here when I want when we've complained about other things I get a little bit more cantankerous. You understand
0: the Rage Master name.
1: Yeah, we get. I get a little more cantankerous here. It's just kind of like an. Eh, you're, oh well, you're it do-
0: acknowledging it's not perfect.
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm cringing, but I move on and go. It doesn't destroy the movie. It doesn't take point. It takes a point away. I Ooh.
0: I rate this movie as as a B, a solid B. B Leaning to a B plus, yeah. you know, um, I'm not going to talk about it like I did Black Mirror, like it's one of the best things on TV no. right now. I'm not even no. going to talk about it like Stranger Things. But uh, one of the reasons that I think uh, one of the things that I would have liked to have seen that could have pushed this movie up to a high B plus a minus range would have been if you had a little bit more of the exploration of the human condition, a little bit more mm-hmm. of of an examination of morality and, and some weighty ethical conundrum to deal with. It's shoehorned in at the end that that scene at the end is it feels it feels shoehorned in because you don't really have you have the ethical issue at the beginning. It feels almost shoehorned in to say we're a sci-fi movie. We got to have this. We're going to have this weapon. We're going to talk about it. And then it's shoehorned in at the end.
1: Yeah, but a little bit. There's a progression, though. It's not all shoehorned in at the end. When you get it at the end. It's not one of those suddenly the scientist has a conscious. No, no. You, it's there the it's whole there. time.
0: And, and that's it's good because it was there at the beginning and it's good because it's there at the end. Um, And obviously, anytime you're dealing with, um, you know, we talked about the obvious uh, political angles in there mm-hmm. and uh, that, um, that, you know, that are overly ham-fisted. confident that you're going to have the most superior military and the 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 message out there that they don't come right out and tell you, but they tell you that building a super weapon can boomerang on you. In the end, though, this is a hack and slash movie. Now, there's a drinking game for this week. Every time I say that, take a, take <laughs> a shot. But that's what it is. It's, it's an 80s action flick. It's a romp. It's a Rambo style. You're killing the bad guys.
1: Yeah, and there's, there's uh, a little bit of both. It so. is what it is,
0: and and in most cases, those movies to me are going to be solid B's, B pluses. For a movie to be an A minus, it has to have that other component to it. That's the only thing I wish it had. Because if it had mm. that, I I could I could rate it up as an A. But there's nothing wrong with this movie. No, it's I, a thoroughly enjoyable action sci fi movie.
1: I would definitely watch this again. As a matter of fact, no, I would watch it again, and I would put that on a list of things you should check out. Is it a must see? No. It's not a must see. But, I'm not going to
0: sit here and say it's one of the best things out there, no, but at the same not, time,
1: it's worth a watch. It is definitely, yeah, if you have Netflix, I would bottom line is, I think we're trying to say here, it's worth a watch. If you have any interest in sci-fi and you have Netflix, give it a shot. Because this was very much worth it, and I'm willing to bet that any re- other recommendations that come with it are probably going to be just as good. Every it, so give it a shot. Have a good time. It's about an hour and 48 minutes, so you will not regret it.
0: All right. I think that's about it for this week on Sci-Fi Malady. Until next time, Metis 1-5. All hostiles are down and the AO is clear. Yeah. Hollywood! Go figure out where that's from, people. Corey will know if he listens. All right, that's it. See you next week.
1: Bad director. No, bad robot. Bad writer. No,
0: bad robot.
1: Bad Abrams.
0: Bad robot.
1: <laughs> Raving Lunatic media! com.